is filled up. Oh, yeah. Can you set card in one of these boxes that you need for service? Or bring it to me at the end. I would love to meet and also connect with you. Uh, if you're, again, for, for the first time, we exist. I mean, if there had, what is the mission that God has set before us? It is, again, it is to deeply believe, freely live, and then to boldly declare, to boldly share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And everything stems around that man named Jesus. Amen. So I pray every time you come to honor, man, you will see, you will hear, and you will experience the man who is the only foundation linked. Yes. We are about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Paul says, for no one can lay any other foundation that has already been laid, and that is Jesus Christ himself. So, with that, in the past few weeks, we've been going through kind of what is the mission, what is the heart of us. So, last week, uh, uh, last month, we talked about the importance of living in community for us. To live out the gospel is to live out the gospel in community where God is able to confront and, and perform you to Christ. So we do that by, again, living in community, but also serving others and his local church. So there is a connect card. If you have not joined a gathering group, please, that card, uh, fill that card out again and place that card. Man, we would love to connect you to a smaller portion of this local body that God has indeed graced us with. Also, serve. We've been gifted to serve, gifted by God to serve for the common good and to edify the body of Christ. So if you are looking for a place to serve, believe we have somewhere where God can use you. Again, fill out that card. Connect card. Where you like to serve and somebody will connect with you this week. So that's the little portion of us. And now, man, we started on last week what it means for us to, to share the gospel. And man, what we did, man, was that, that, that we, we looked at the incarnation of Christ. And the premise was, if Christ became man, to save. If Christ became man to die, he was born with a death sentence. If Christ came to give eternal life, not for your earth, but to give it to you. If Christ came to satisfy your every desire, why should we not go and proclaim this message? Amen. He came. He saved. He died. He satisfies, he's given us life that we might go in and proclaim the greatest message that will meet the greatest needs of any soul on earth. That is separation from God. That when God saves, he reconciles, he brings you nearer to God. And so because of this, because of the incarnation of Christ, then we should be we should go out there with boldness, proclaiming Christ, sharing. The gospel, but but today I want to I want us to consider one more thing. Not only are we called to share the gospel with all, we're also called to show the gospel. Yeah, yeah. There is this sharing and showing aspect of the gospel 
that the, the, the God has raised his church to display to a world who does not know him. When I say sharing the gospel or showing the gospel, you might ask, what am I really talking about? See, here's the problem. Many of us, we, we will share the gospel with anybody, but we won't love anybody. If I want to share the gospel, I should be able to show the gospel. The gospel is love and action. I cannot say I'm going to, we can't share and not show. That's when the world calls us hypocrites. You come portraying a man who is loved, but I've yet to, to see you love. We're called to share and to show. The equal value. None is greater than the list. And this is what we find ourselves today in John once again. We heard on last week that John's main thing, every miracle he reported, everything John talked about it concerning his account of Christ. It was, he says what? He says in John 20, 31, what was his purpose of writing all these things? It was that man would believe in the name of Jesus. Christ did nothing of his own volition, nothing of his own glory. Christ did all that he did for two reasons, to glorify God and save man. I'm not coming, I didn't come to get praise for man. He did not desire that. He wanted praise only from his father. But he also, like I said, came with a death sentence to, to, to go to a cross, not for him, but for our sins. Yeah. So today, since that is true, if, wrote, if James wrote for all to believe, I wonder, are we living for those to believe? Again, it, 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 it goes back to this thing about love. Love. Love is the showing of the gospel. So if you would turn with me to John 13, I'm going to tackle two verses. John 13, John, we, we now know he is a cousin of Jesus. He is the one who wanted the seats of glory with Christ, but now that he's writing, he's writing that folk might be seated with Christ before. Yeah, yeah. He's changed the plot now. No man is he dying for a certain seat, man. He wants all who believe in Christ to, to, uh, to sit with Christ in glory. He, John, is, is this disciple that we see called, and he is known as the disciple of Christ's love. And so we see that John, at some point, he gets the reason for Christ's coming. Now you have in John 13, this, this, between John 13 and 17, you have this, right, this long writing where you're going to see Christ himself teaching. And that verse is straight forward and 35, it's really an intro. It's really an intro to this, uh, to, to Christ's farewell teaching found in John 14, 15, and 16. John 17, he spends the, the entire chapter praying. Mm -hmm. 
He's not teaching in something. He's praying. That, that is called the priestly prayer. But Christ said in the entire chapter, praying for those who were healed and those who were becoming healed. So before he gets to John 14, 15, and 16, he pins down this, this for our hearing, this, this for, the, for the good of our souls. He says this, Christ saying, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Why is that so critical? It says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple. We give you this morning the situation of the text, the command of Christ found in the text, then a new priority set for his disciples and those to believe. A new situation, a new command, and a new priority. Let's first look at the new situation. Then Christ, he's teaching his final message. And he's about to inform them of what is about to go down in John 18 and 19. The Christ is about to be handed over to man. And because of the of man, he needs to be hung on a cross. So he brings it in and he tries to one more time to get this through the, through the hard heart of his disciples. Look what he says here in, in, in John 13, 33. Now, now, imagine the grace of which he's saying this truth. He says, children, referring to his disciples, he says, I am with you a little while longer. Right. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I can tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. Get this. They had been with Christ for three and a half years. He has in love called them. In love, he chose them. In love, he challenged them. In love, he comforted them. And now in love, he's about to carry a cross for them. He's about to leave them for the first time in three and a half years. For three and a half years, Christ has loved them perfectly and, and completely. And now the one who loved them perfectly is about to leave them. It is a new situation. For three and a half years, uh, when, when Peter sunk in the water, it was Christ who reached up and got When they needed food, it was Christ who produced food from nowhere. It was Christ who's always been there, and never he's about to go. This is for them a new situation where Christ is about to depart from them. The one who loved them is about to depart from them. But his love won't go with him. Right. He's leaving, but his love is saying. 
Because this is why we have a new commandment. John 13, 34. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Amen. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And I know you're asking, if this is the new command, what's the old command? Well, I got it from the true, amen. Uh, look at that. And now, at, at Leviticus 19, 18. This is the old command. The old command is this. Do not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the members of your community. When it says three words, when he says drugs, he said, I don't need you to, to hate, resent, or dislike anybody in the Jewish community. But it said, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Which not he said that has commanded. No, what you see is that in the new commandment, he gives a, a uh, who to love and also how to love. Referring now back to the who to love, go back to, go back to uh, 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 34. No, no. Look at it in its context. The Jews, uh, the book of Leviticus was written for the Jewish community. The third love was, was to actually remain in themselves. And so you have him like this, but then he's going to change that command over up in John 13, 34. He says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Now, what he said that at the death of Christ, this love that the Jews were to have is for themselves remember to the Gentiles. I'm going to ask you to love others who are not like you. Different color, different class. Different cultural background, those who are uncultivated, unlearned. I want you to love them just as I love you. So now, this command is for those who will come into the body of Christ. And praise God that everybody in the body is not like you. He said, I want to now give you a new command. I want you to love those who don't look like you, talk like you. Boy, I die for you. Love on them, but he laid down his life for them. 
You see in John where he says, no, no one has greater love than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. See, this kind of love that Christ did not just have for each other is the kind of love that we lay down our lives for the sake and benefit of the other. Listen, this kind of love is true. It's deep. It is keen in form. It is keen in length. One writer says, true Christian love involves a long sequence of little deaths. And as we set aside, here it is, our own pride, our own preferences, and our, and our own sense of privilege. We set aside our pride, our preference, and our privilege for the sake of Jesus and to love each other. If Christ laid down his rights, if Christ laid down his life, shouldn't we with ease lay down our pride? Come on now. Shouldn't we with ease lay aside? Yes. Right. Let lay out a sense of privilege. Yes. To advance the kingdom of God. Should we be able to lay those things down for the sake of Jesus? Let me say this. John, 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 he fleshes this thing out just about love. Do you not know? Your unwillingness to love somebody proves you are not God's. Mm. Your unwillingness to lay down your preference, your pride, and your privilege shows you do not know God. How can that pass? How can that brother say that with, with such a with, with eyes closed and with such boldness? I'm glad you First John 3.14 says, we know that we are passed from death to life. We know that we passed from the kingdom of, of Satan and over into God's kingdom because we love our brothers and sisters. Come on now. The one who does not love has its willingness to love. He remains in death. He continues. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. If we want the greatest picture of Christ, look to the cross. Yes. He laid down his life for us. Yes. Who he loved us. Then he says, we should also have, we should also analyze for religious sisters. If anyone has the world's good and sees a fellow brother in need, but withholds compassion, you are unwilling to enter into the suffering for the glory of God. Mm. How does God's love reside in you? Let Let us not love in word, speech, but in action. Mm. It's in the Love on top the gospel is love in action. A few months ago, I, I, I fleshed out to y'all what we have, we have defined here at Army, love with Army. 
Now, we've taken this from Paul Tripp. Paul Tripp has a great book, and in his book, he, he actually defines this love that can, we can actually place Christ inside. He, he defines love as this. Love is willing self-sacrifice. That word again, willing. For the good of another that does not require your reciprocation. I don't do to you or for you for you to do for me. That's right. That's right. What I do for you out of love, all yeah. that the person being loved is deserved. Can I ask you a question? Who in this room deserves to be loved? Who in this room deserves God to love them? Who in this room was good enough, earned enough credits for God to now I love you? No, no, no. God, He lavished His love on you that while you were still a sinner, while you were still His enemies, while you were still a helpless, He sent His Son to die for them. See, you did not do what you deserve was death, not love. But the cross is proof that even despite you, your sin, your ways, he still loves you. Come on now. We don't choose who to love. We shall also be found loving those who don't deserve who we think don't deserve to be loved. You have to, and if you are unwilling to be, if you are unwilling to sacrifice, if you are unwilling to meet the needs, not only needs that that, if you are unwilling to lay down your life for your sister or brother, let me tell you, you may not be saved. If there is not a willingness for you to self-sacrifice and meeting the need of someone else, you may not know God who loves you. Yeah, yeah. He is unwilling. Let me rest your soul right now. There is no one in this room always loves in the way you find. The way I just define love, no one in this room always loves this way. You right. Excuse me. So what's the remedy? What do I do to fix that when I found myself being selfish over and over? Yet there's still a willingness to love. We must repent. <laughs> Without repentance, there is no growth. If you never repent for not loving, you may not love and you may not be saved. If you never repent for me, I didn't love you the way I said. If that's never falling out your lips, you may not know Jesus. The way to maturity, the way to conformity to Christ is through repenting to God through Jesus for his name. Amen. And whenever you find yourself repenting for your lack of love towards man and your enemies, that's God working in you. That's God maturing you. That's God 
skills. So, why does God put difficult people in our lives? Why does God put immature people in our life? Why won't he leave me alone? Why 
John 13, 35 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Mm -hmm. If your kids are good, <laughs> if you have perfect church attendance, <laughs> if you tie everything you did, if you read your Bible every day, if you pray every day, if you fast every day, if you do all of these things, that proves the entertainment that you are my disciple. No, that stuff does not prove anything. I recall one time when I was, I had my morning, my morning devotion. I put it away. I had one devotion. Devotion? I, I, I mean, man, my devotion, my Bible, my prayer, praying, and read my Bible. I get up from there, then I, then I go out to the hallway, and I begin to act a fool. Those who are Christians, just 
If we love the way Christ loved us, he says that the world would know.
in front of my church family. I repent to you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Thank you, Jesus. The gospel is for those who are not saved and those who are saved. That's right. We never outgrow the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> God, Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, 